Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your je ne sais quoi to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week, our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thought seeds germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things. Well, 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 Miss Lisa Staff, welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. I see you're in the Hilton Head office today. I am. I am. We're worldwide. Worldwide. So this is our first ever inaugural. Let's sort of uh, double speak. First ever an inaugural, the same thing, aren't they? Our inaugural LinkedIn Live and Facebook Live simulcast through StreamYard. So thank you, StreamYard, for hooking us up with these uh, this functionality. And I don't know how we got it, but apparently the LinkedIn gods love us because apparently I've been told it takes months and months to get approved for LinkedIn Live. And we got it in a matter of weeks. So thank you, LinkedIn, for hooking us up with that. We're really excited about it. Even though we're still nobodies, hopefully today with our guests, we can learn to sort of unfuck <laughs> our lives and become somebody's because yes. Wiley's going to teach yeah. us how we're okay. like doing everything wrong and all that good stuff. <laughs> They're going to take that LinkedIn privilege away from us when we're dropping all these F-bombs today. So nope. I put an enjoy it while it lasts. I put an asterisk next to it so that covers all of our bases. Ooh, that's a baseball reference for Wiley. All right, let me introduce Wiley. So we met Wiley a while back through a different podcast agency that we were talking to. And the dude's got this sort of enigmatic character. And he is what I would formerly refer to myself as, you know how I joke, I'm the Renaissance man. Wiley truly is the, the Renaissance man of all Renaissance men. He's a former professional baseball player. He's a professional bull rider. I don't know if he still does that, but I know he once was. Remind me to tell you about the time I almost got killed riding a mechanical bull when I was in high school. True story. He's a former combat veteran. He actually works with a lot of PTSD uh, combat veterans now today. And he's a host of a bunch of other accomplishments that, to keep it real simple, makes us all look like underachievers. So it's kind of, I'm interested to talk to him because he has a really unique disposition on multitasking and laser focusing, which we're going to talk about in a second. But he's taken what he's learned, his experiences from professional baseball to professional bull riding to a combat veteran, which I'm fascinated by anybody who can be in a combat situation. I would be a total loser in war. I would literally run and hide. Um, but my only experience in war is paintball. So it's basically the same thing. So we're sort of, we share that in common, right? Right, right, Wiley. Um, but he takes all of these things that he's learned and he's pivoted to help high level C-suite CEOs, business leaders who are looking to maximize their potential, optimize their performance, and basically find inner peace through their success. So he's got, he has a, I was reading, doing a lot of reading on him last night. He has somewhat of a contradictory approach to success, which is why I like his perspective, because as you know, I like to be contradictory. And rather than niching down and laser focusing on one specific modality, he sort of takes this contradictory approach to help expose why, why, why actually being laser fo- focused on just one aspect of your life can be detrimental to to your success. So it's going to be interesting to hear his take on that. So I'm hoping he will validate everything I've done because, as you know, I'm a multi multitasker to the max. I like to make sure he tells me I'm on the right path. Um, I was reading. Is some this of all his- about affirmation today for you? Yeah, I'm feeling a little um, low today after I read his profile, and I'm like, dude, I am nobody next to this man. So bring him on. Hopefully, he'll make me feel good about myself again. Um, so we invited him onto the show. He has a cool story. His methods have been described as intense and unconventional, but always effective. So I'm excited to hear what he has to say. He's going to tell us how he became a bull rider, and I'm going to tell him why my story almost killed me. And we'll go from there. He's going to help I love us- how he's, yeah. he's not saying he's a coach. He's so far from it. He's a peak performance accelerator, and he drops all these other great, like enigmatic, energetic words um, what I liked most, though, is the opportunity to unfuck our lives. So he's you just gonna, got his band again. S- you said not to use that word. I, I'm just <laughs> quoting. I'm just quoting. So, don't Wiley, welcome to the show, brother. 
I appreciate it, Devo. Lisa, good to see you again. Good to see you. So that intro, did it do you any justice or did I get it all butchered? <laughs> You're in, you're in the vein. Yes. And I appreciate it. And, and you know what? And that, that's the beautiful thing about you know, it can change constantly to different shows that I'm on is it, I appreciate it. So you're going where your understanding takes you and we can just dive into it from there to give your audience a little bit more perspective. So Lisa and I were talking last night on some of the different ways we could have this conversation with you. And we sort of settled on how we get ourselves unfucked because as, as business owners, all of us are always trying to look for that secret sauce, that sure. magic recipe to find success. One of the things I really loved about your bio and what I read on your website is sort of success is one thing and everybody has different takes on how to achieve it. I like your contradictory approach to not having that laser focus. So I want to dive into that. Um, with sort of the whole ideology around how do we unfuck our own lives so that we can find peace and success. Mm. And those are the two pieces that I sort of took from everything I read about you is peace and success can go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to dive into the laser focus aspect, which is great because in my baseball experience, that was one of the fundamentals that we were constantly pushed, especially with the pros that I was around was hyper-focus on your skill, perfect it, be the best at it. And then um, then try to approach life, you know, once you're outside of that world. So for me, we'll dive into that is as a star athlete, as a pitcher, um, I grew up around pro ball players. My father was a semi pro ball player. And for me, uh, I was pushed into this, this realm of being a pitcher because I had an arm. I was trained and coached by uh, many of the pros. I grew up around Bo Jackson, Rod Carew. I met Mickey Mantle. So these big name people that I looked up to, I was playing harder and more focused on just my pitching. I think to just impress these people and to really live up to that hype that I, I was good at something like that. So what I found, though, as I got older and playing baseball was that I started to feel uh, a disconnect from the sport, just loving to play the game. And that disconnect started to push me further away from uh, the desire to play that sport. And I realized that the perfectionism that I was uh, forced to utilize in my life at the time was starting to break me and I didn't feel fulfilled while I played the game. So I didn't needed to find other avenues to challenge myself. I needed to feel like I could go beyond what was expected of me and actually go do what I wanted to do that fulfilled who I was, who I wanted to become as a man. And that's why the world of bull riding felt, felt very enticing to me and it pulled me in. It, it was very seductive. And I found that when I stepped into that world, this whole new unleashing of who I was started to come alive. I felt this wild side of me becoming birthed, this part of me that I've been waiting to meet for a very long time. Um, because I was willing to step into those unknowns that the bull riding world provided where baseball didn't. So that hyper-focused skill was why I pushed myself away from the baseball bull, bull riding and seductive is probably the first time I've ever heard those two terms <laughs> being used <laughs> simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I'm glad that you said that and you poked in there too, is because it was seductive. It was seductive because I knew there was a part of me that was, was not being actualized in baseball. And that world brought it forth to the surface. It was the first time in my life where I found this holistic aspect of myself, intuition, mindset, focus, presence, because you have to be absolutely holistic in that world to be able to maintain your ability to ride bulls. So in the bull riding world, every time I got on the back of a bull, a ride was completely different. There was always the unknowns of being hurt, being killed, but we never thought about those things. What we cared about was getting enticed by the excitement of what is unknown and yielding to the fear of that and doing it anyway. And that's where I found the, that those real world challenges is what re was required for me to stretch and actually become more of who I wanted to be. It, I started to feel my potential come alive and I started to tap into that and utilize it for my performance. Lisa, I know Lisa has a bunch of questions, but real quickly, going back to sure. the baseball reference. So you didn't find that seduction, that sort of sense of the unknown and uncovering the unknown through baseball and sports or, or did you I, I guess i misunderstood that first part no and yeah. writing did provide that for you right baseball has its fundamentals it is a an unbelievable sport if you're willing to get into it i know many people say they don't like the sport because it seems boring and slow but when you are someone who is connected to that world it's very strategic it's very mathematical there's a lot of fundamental to it but as a pitcher my focus was my arm that's it. Day in and day out, year in and year out, I was pushed to just focus on being a better pitcher. Every other aspect of my life felt secondary to that. So as I got older, I intuitively started to realize that I'm not experiencing this balance that I really want 
being just forced to be a perfect pitcher and every other aspect of my life was being pushed aside. So I started to pull away from that and rebel against that perfectionism and step into that world that was challenging, unknown to me, that allowed me to become more of myself. Understood. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I love what you're talking about. And I think when you're saying um, kind of expanding, we're all told we have to niche down, niche town, and we're all working hard at what we do. And when you're saying, you know, we're perfecting what we're doing, but there becomes a disconnect. I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, how we can avoid that disconnect um, and not have to actually bull ride to figure <laughs> <Right>. that out. <laughs> At least I, I love that. And I, I shared this the other day with someone I know is I, I may have been enticed by that world, but you may not be enticed by that world. It doesn't mean you have to go face down a wild animal to really stretch your capacity, to really ignite more of your potential, to be more excited about life. There are other ways to do that. What that is defining is, are you putting yourself in the right positions that challenge you, that shake you up from the inside, that scare you, if you will? that really stretch who you are, how you think about and how you approach your life and your business or whatever it is you're looking to accomplish successfully. If people are putting themselves in these positions like bull riding, like running with the bulls is what I was, I heard the other day, jumping out of airplanes is what's another thing that I do or whatever it is that stretches you and challenges you that you have less control over, but in fact, know that this is where you belong. You'll find that more of your power and potential can be ignited effortlessly. So we we end up going back to your point, Lisa and Devo. You probably make sense of this too. Is we are so overworked in our mind, we are so niched down, we are so told to focus on one thing and get that perfect first, that we end up burning ourselves out. We end up chasing the idea of success and performance, and we never really learn how to master it for our, for our lives. And then we always find ourselves stuck in the loop of buy more programs, add more into our lives, read more books. Uh, figure out why I failed at this thing. And then people end up being frustrated. They're unsatisfied. They're unfulfilled. And then they end up sitting back going, why do I never get to where I really want to go? I want to go into that. That's a mic drop right there. That's, that's, I think, a large majority of people right now. Absolutely. I want to go into that a little bit, if you don't mind, sort of that niching down, honing in. So you know, in, in our branding exercises that we perform with our clients, sure. one of the things that we find is that people are too didactic in their approach. They're not clear on their brand message, right. not clear on their position of what they actually stand for. And by honing in and niching down and focusing, for example, on one platform so that you can really get your brand message out there, it's more purposeful for them. So are sure. you saying that honing and niching down on a particular niche is bad or what do you tell me a little bit that because there sounds i don't think i'm yeah. quite grasping what you're no, saying No, that's that's why you're asking the question absolutely now i appreciate niching down to get very clear on who you are what you offer the results you you provide and the type of people that you provide them for is important when you have somebody running around not not it's the coaching syndrome right we have people that say i've read some books I followed some certain influencers or household names. I've learned a few things. So I'm going to go out and be a coach. But then they don't understand who are you going to serve? What is your actual specialty or your superpower, if you will? What do you know you can, in fact, create with others that are in your presence? And are you doing it from a place of just trying to make money or, or be somebody? Or do you actually want to create real change in the world? So you need to get to that niche. I'm talking about the discernment between the hyper-focused aspect of us looking at one part of our lives and thinking if we master that first, then I can turn around and go over here and apply to my other life, other parts of my life. And that is absolutely incorrect because what ends up happening is you create massive imbalance and then you are still left struggling trying to pick up the pieces as you grind harder for more of this success over here in that hyper-focused area. That's so in I'm other right. words, so in other words, what I think I hear you're saying is it's okay to hone down and niche down but you can hone in and niche down on multiple different things simultaneously, as opposed to just being a pitcher. You could potentially focus on pitching. You could focus on being a bull rider and you could pick up, you know, ba ba basket weaving type of things, but being very honed in on each one simultaneously. Well, that's the thing is in my experiences, what I discovered through those, those intense life experiences is more of my own gift and understanding of performance and blind spots and seeing these things and how they plague people. And I wanted to really cultivate that. So I got out of the military after three tours overseas and I started on the path of that self-mastery. And I discovered that what we are living with is a, an imbalance in our world. People are, are too focused on success, this dying metric, as I call it, of make money and notoriety first and then try to figure out the rest of your life. And when you, you do that, you're sacrificing, you're suffering, 
in silence and you are unsatisfied despite what you might be putting out in your public persona. And what ends up happening is you, you sacrifice your relationships, your health, you sacrifice so many different aspects of who you are, all for the sake of achieving something that society says you should go after and the only metric to what success means. Mm. That for me, Lisa Debo was, I want to know who I am without stress. I want to know who I am without all my past uh, intense life encounters that did not help me grow. I want to know who I am without sacrifice or suffering. I want to know who I am optimized so that I can be the best version of myself. And then, and only then was I willing to go out and provide my superpower to the world and say, here's how you can live your life. It's actually possible. Okay. So what, what kind of people are coming to you right now? Are they knowing that they need some sort of ignition in their life? Are they like from different platforms, different economic groups? Are they very specific as to what they need? Or they're coming to you just saying, I, I, I just don't know where to start? No, all of, all of the above. And I'm a, I, 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 I want to say this, Lisa, you brought it up. I'm not a coach. Uh, nothing that I do is coaching by any means, by any definition. I am a performance accelerator. These aren't just catchy words that I use. These are things that actually occur with the people I work with. But I don't help people. I, I optimize them. And in the nature of my work as a founder of Radical Performance Acceleration, the name says it all, is I work with leaders, CEOs, high achievers, business owners, uh, public figures. I've worked with celebrities. So I've been passed along industries from Wall Street to Hollywood, professional sports, personal development, Silicon Valley, and so forth as a resource behind the scenes, which is why now after the pandemic, I'm kind of coming out to the public eye 13 years later and saying, you know what? I'm providing more of the access that other leaders are looking for to take their game to the next level. So it doesn't matter what their issue is. People that call me are in a position that they want and, and appreciate those intense challenges, those personal challenges that truly optimize who they are and accelerate their performance so they can live life from a place of peace and balance with their successes. Those are the types of people that come to me. Do you find that they've been through a, a lot of different courses or processes or had a series of different coaches and Absolutely. masterminds and all of that, and they've tried all the things and they're still left wanting? Absolutely. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up too, is most of the people that I've worked with have done all of the high-level household name programs. They've paid the million dollars to you know Tony Robbins Platinum Program. And they're like, look, I, great. I got some good stuff. I got some good strategy, but there's still something missing. I, I feel like I spent all that money and why do I still feel unsatisfied? So I've worked with a lot of leaders and high achievers that have done everything. And they're at the point in their life where they say, you know what? I've achieved X, but I still need something more. Why? And when they connect to me, because they feel like something is different here, and this is where I really want to go challenge myself, which is why it's the proverbial Navy SEAL training equivalent to high performance and leadership development. I have a network of resources that I tap into that work in tandem with me. It's holistic in approach. It is personal challenges in a framework that I've created. It's not a program or a cookie cutter system. It's literally an intimate life and business optimization that I provide these types of people. And they're in a position in their life where the fork in the road has presented itself. And they're saying, I'm ready to finally get to the, my ultimate place of peak performance sustainably on a daily basis. Let's play a, a scenario role-playing, if you will. So Lisa is a high-performing CEO. She's been involved in a variety of different businesses. She's had some pretty decent success over her life. But she's sort of at a point in her, in her space right now, her personal ethos, where she's looking for something more. But she doesn't really know what that is. How would you first start with someone like Lisa? This is, I, you know, I'm glad that you brought up the how. This is another part of what we talked about earlier, a very specific focus that we have in our, our professional world and our personal development industry is everyone wants to know how. Everybody is addicted to, I need to know how. And what I've discovered, and I'll get to your, your question here, but what I've discovered through my experiences and the work that I've done is a large majority of the reason why people need to know how is because they fear the unknown. They want to control to a degree what's coming at them. But unfortunately, when, when you can control what's coming at you, you're not as vulnerable as you could be. And you're not going to access truly all of your power and potential so that you can achieve or accelerate. So if someone like Lisa would come to me, there's a specific understanding that this is a framework. It's very personalized life and business optimization you're going to be put through real personal challenges in real time where I work with my clients literally 24-7 for a short uh, minimum period amount of time to a maximum amount of time. 
but how I do those challenges differs from each person. So I couldn't provide Lisa right off the bat. Here's how we're going to, to get you to understand what's missing in your life. Until we actually engage in the dynamic and I'm connected to you and I can see what's really going on, I'm never going to really understand exactly what challenges you need to be put into to really erupt and eradicate whatever is holding you back and making you feel that way. So I just provide people the insight that this is a framework. It's highly personalized to you. Whatever's going on with you will reveal itself. And then I will put you in those right positions. I will challenge you in the right way. And I will accelerate every aspect of you only in that dynamic with me. I know what she's missing. She needs more of me in her life. But aside from that, <laughs> she's having this midlife crisis. Can you sort of talk through that? The way you're... <laughs> We're simulating an experience here. Okay, okay fine, she, fine. This is the bull ride me under the bus. here. Okay. All right, so Lisa really wants to bull ride, but she doesn't really know how to get there. And I know you don't like the word how. How would you begin with her? Just sort of, and you don't have to give away your secret sauce. I'm just curious because I'm fascinated by this brand discovery, this auditing of people's lives that you do because it's, there's a lot of carryover with how we do it as well. I'm just curious how you might go about getting to know more about the the juxtaposition oh, I see. currently in <clears throat> and figuring out where that imbalance, if you will, exists so that you could better help her. Well, first and foremost, I, go ahead, Lisa. Uh, I feel like a lot of people come to you with maybe one thought in your in their mind, and then there's a yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> a distance that they travel and they come out the other side not expecting the whole exactly. journey. Right, right. And and I, I bank everything on that because what ends up happening is when people, again, I'm not for everyone. I appeal to those types of high achievers or executives, entrepreneurs, et cetera, whatever your label is, that really value stepping into something that feels different. What ends up happening is we get caught up in our heads and we want to think through everything. We want to process. We want to know how. And then we end up sometimes pushing away, most often or not, things that actually are good for us and beneficial to us because it feels uncomfortable or feels scary or it's unknown to us. We, we get the idea that if it feels this way, it's got to be dangerous, right? So that aspect, like you said, Devo, with Lisa would be just, my work is about real world conversation and, and, and connection. So when people come to me, if they call me, we spend time getting to know each other. It's, it's not about enrollment, sales processes, you know, hey, I want to work with you. Here's a check. It doesn't work that way with me. It never has and it never will. It's let's get to know each other. Let's calibrate you to be ready to step into this and do this work because it will, in fact, be your ultimate challenge to take you to the top of your game. And everybody that I've ever worked with always gets to the top of their game and they go off and live their best life. When they're done with me, there is no more to be pulled out of them. There is no more potential they're trying to figure out. They know who they are and they know how to perform optimally. So with you in that calibration period, it's me getting to know you, but seeing what's really going on. And if you come to me because you might have one problem, there's so much more underneath that. It's kind of like taking your car to the mechanic. You might say, hey, I need an oil change. And the mechanic pulls open the, open the hood and there's so much more going on underneath the hood than you were aware of that needs to actually be optimized first so that your car can perform better with that oil change. Lisa hit a deer two weeks ago. So her car. <laughs> so this, is, gonna... this is the deer hit me. The deer hit me. Yeah. <laughs> she needs Jumped a under my car. She That's needs an automobile. So, yeah. Balance. Read yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. Good choice of uh, story there. So it sounds to me a couple of thoughts of what I heard you just say. The process itself, the philosophy behind your approach to everything, sort of mirrors the paradigm itself of how you think success and balance should be viewed in our lives in of itself. Is that mirror that, mirrors it? So what I heard you say is, you know, there is no one size shoe fits all in, in your approach to people right. where, which, which for me is the same thing as our life. Like how I find success is not going to be the same way Lisa finds success or anyone right. else. And so in order to find success and harmony and peace, we sort of have to detach from the approach of success in of itself. And I'm and what I'm hearing you say is your approach to finding success mirrors exactly what your philosophy in of itself is. Does that make sense? Is that just it does make sense. And I'm gonna expand on that. It's first of all, success itself, like you said, is subjective. It absolutely is. However, we again we have a, a society that has been programmed to believe that. Let me go out and make a bunch of money and get, garner some notoriety. And then I will try to figure out and focus on other areas of my life. And I had a, a, a show that someone asked me that said, so if you become a peak performer in business, then you can turn around and become a peak performer in your relationships, with your health. And I'm talking about 
the aspect that you need to focus on all of those things holistically because human performance has nothing to do with, we're not systematized or mechanical. We have this Western anatomical thinking where everything must be mechanical and broken down into the steps and the processes to get somewhere. They have their value, but when it comes to human being and human performance, you must approach it from a holistic standpoint, which is what I do. It's bringing in every resource and aspect to optimize you simultaneously from all fronts. If you don't value your health and you think you're going to get the most out of your power and potential, you're fooling yourself and you're lying about it. Your health matters. Your relationships matter. Your clarity of who you are matters. Living life without the unresolved stresses from your past matters. They all have an impact on your ability to perform and actually create those byproducts, which is money, notoriety, business growth, et cetera. I get this sense that there's a lot of tough love in your process. Like we're waking up at 4 a.m. and doing a mile run with screaming. Is that <laughs> with, with 70 you know, pounds on her back <laughs> you know i don't you know i, 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 I like want to see leads in a rucksack <laughs> you know it's interesting is i i know it i i get david groggins is a former seal who does that with a lot of some of his clients uh jock willing talks about it uh i don't bring a militant mindset to the table even though i have the experiences in combat as a leader as well um my my quote approach if you will we'll use that word for the sake of the, the conversation is the relationship with the person I'm working with. I, I'm in a relationship with them, one-on-one -on -one individual. That's why I only work with three to four leaders per year. It's very intimate. It's highly, uh, I would say, challenging and very specific to who they are and where their life is. So if I need to get someone up at 4 a.m., it's because I need to shock them a certain way. If I have to throw them out of an airplane, it's just part of the relationship <laughs> that we have together. Because wherever I need to take them to rattle them so I can get whatever's in their way out, I'm willing to do it. These people are, are making large investments. They want to step into the unknown. They're willing to be pushed far beyond their limits. And that's what I provide is the atmosphere and the framework that does that. And until you have an outside force that knows how to get into the trenches with you to see what's really plaguing you and knows how to battle through them with you head on, you're always going to feel kind of superficial and where you're going, you're always going to find yourself trying to chase something. And I'm talking about mastering and getting there now and not later. Mm. So a lot of the things that you're talking about, it's like overcoming fear. So is it pushing people into those uncomfortable situations? And, and do you find that that is where all the growth needs to happen, that it's not going to happen unless you're uncomfortable? Like, I, I just know yes. that um, I have a feeling if I worked with you, I'd be crying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And just for the sake of people hearing it going, oh man, I don't want to go through. Well, here, yeah. that's why this appeals to certain types of mindsets and people that want to be elite in their life. That's why it's, you consider not everybody can be a SEAL or a combat, you know, infantry person or a ranger, et cetera. It takes a specific type of person that says, wow, I can feel that this is going to be unlike anything I've ever had before, but I'm willing to step towards it anyway, because I want to be the best version of myself in my life. I understand that I'm going to accelerate there, but it's going to be challenging. It's going to be it's going to be pushed. I'm going to be stretched. I'm going to be looked at in ways from a place of understanding, love, care, and support. But the most important piece is truth because truth is what transforms you. That discomfort you feel is what shifts you and stretches you like my world of bull riding. However, we, we believe we're being uncomfortable when we go through certain programs and certain processes and hire and serve coaches. But that's not real discomfort. That is a controlled aspect of, of discomfort. With you, like you said, I'd be crying. Yes, you're going to be put in positions that get rid of whatever would cause you to feel that way because that is hindering your potential. So it's not necessarily just a tough love. It's just truth because the, the fact is love itself is not what changes the world. Truth, riding the wave of love is what changes the world. And everybody's afraid of certain truths and we like to avoid it. We like to suppress it. And then we want to go out in the world and try to circumvent our ways or hack our ways to the, the ultimate level of success. And that's what I'm saying we have to stop doing. Do we, do we really internally want to avoid it or do we just need the opportunity to overcome it? Most people avoid it. That's why they like, they like the, I call it the verbal, um, caffeine and sugar of personal development. They like getting high at the events. They like feeling excited about what's possible through the programs they buy, but they're always left at home when that, that fades away, wanting more instead of actually getting to where they want to go. Some progress is had but they never really get to where they truly want to go. And that's okay. Some people are good on that, that path. But if you're someone who really wants to be elite in your life and your business, wants to be the, the ultimate level of success for yourself, whatever you define that by, if you truly want to experience peace 
and freedom with your successes, not hindered by your stresses, then you're willing to step into that unknown. And, and you talked about, Lisa, fear. This idea that we can overcome fear or get rid of it is incorrect as well because fear is a part of who we are. When we learn how to yield to the fear of the unknown, when we learn how to manage that inner volatility, you will see how fast you can get to where you want to go, how much more power you're capable of providing to the world out there and how much more success you can ultimately create. But it's only until you get out of the mindset and actually start connecting to more of who you are, your intuition, your heart, every aspect of your the energy you have within you, get out of just the, the fact that your mind is the only tool you need for success. Well, you're disconnected from the rest of you. No wonder you're going to burn yourself out and try to figure more out and never, ever get to where you truly want to go. I want to, I'd like to go back to the bull riding piece sure. for a second. And, and just because I'm fascinated by it, that's a 2000 pound animal. The first time you stepped on this beast and, and you talked about sort of finding that flow and sort of the wisdom and the innate wisdom of being in the process of bull riding. Tell me a little bit about the first time you jumped on that and mm. your experience and sort of that, if you will, transcendental. Yeah. That sort of transcendental ideology you came up with like, holy shit, this is my true calling, so to speak. Mm. I can feel it right now. You just said it is transcendental. It, it, it absolutely brought me to the most present moment of my life, that first ride. And I remember deciding to do that and meeting all the cowboys that I ended up hanging, hanging around, the pro rodeo guys. And I drove out. It was about an hour and 15 minute drive out to the, the first place I rode in Southern California. And, and believe it or not, there are a lot of rodeo cowboys in Southern California. People ask me that all the time. But I remember it was a cold, rainy Saturday afternoon. And I put my rope up against the fence and I used the rosin, which is the sticky compound. It's a rock. You break it apart and you rub it to heat it up so that it creates very, like a glue-like material on your glove and between the rope. Holds you on the bull longer. And I was nervous. I was excited. I was scared. I felt every emotion all at once. And I, I realized that the only way I'm going to get on the back of this beast is if I control and manage all of those emotions simultaneously, understand why they're there, because this is a very specific unknown. You're getting on the back of a 1,500 pound, 2,000 pound wild animal. Now they're bred and raised to buck, but they are still dangerous. So when I remember pulling myself up in the back of the chute and climbing down on the back of that animal, I felt his life between my legs. I felt the connection between him and I. He looked back at me, gave me this kind of snarl, you know, just shifted side to side in the, in the chute while the other cowboys were getting me ready and get my rope pulled tight. And then he leaned against my leg. And I remember feeling like, wow, this is going to be something I've never experienced. It's going to challenge me. It's going to cause me to really stay focused. And when we pulled him up off that, that chute, I called my gate. They opened the gate. He blew out. And I swear time stood still. When time stood still, all I felt was my connection to this animal, my heart, my mind, my body, all present at the same time. And about two and a half seconds after that ride, I slipped, I fell off the side of him. He slipped in the mud, landed on my leg. He turned around quickly and locked eyes with me. And in that moment, it transformed who I was inside. I realized when I felt him stare at me for that split second, anything could happen. And when I pulled myself away and ran and jumped over the fence and landed on my back, my buddies were laughing. I felt this excitement about life reignited. And I realized I wanted more of that. I felt so much more power coming up. I, I felt I was capable of so much more. And that is why I got turned on by it and started to do it. And I did it for five years until I you know, was in the military and doing those crazy things. But that's why that first ride gave me the recognition and the understanding that the only way to truly stretch who I was, was to be put in these positions constantly, every single chance that I got. Despite how much I was scared or how much fear came up, I just did it anyway mm -hmm. because I realized I was growing quickly and I got better as a bull rider because of it. Mm -hmm. I, I feel you on this. Um, <clears throat> I, I had a small stint in boxing when I was in college and I wasn't, I was nothing special, but I remember one of my first fights I was in, actually it was my first fight. I was getting the living shit beat out of me by this really big Puerto Rican dude. And at the in-between of the rounds, my coach came up to me and he's like, you're focusing too much on the fight itself as opposed to just fighting. And I didn't really understand what that meant, but I started like in that one minute that you're sitting on the bench right there where he's like putting Vaseline right. and slapping you silly to make you go back to the ring to get slapped more silly. I remember thinking about that for a second and 
I sort of understood what he meant because he was right. Like I was really focusing on not getting hit and I was really tight and I was like, just don't want to lose. And my family and my friends were there watching me. And I was like, I don't want to be a bitch and get knocked out in the first round by all these people, all my people here watching me. And I was literally getting destroyed. But when I went back out the second round, I sort of just started kind of like, can I just say meditative in a way? I just sort of kind of got into a different space. I wasn't like, I wasn't there in the ring anymore. I was just sort of having fun with it. So that sort of sounds like what you're describing. I still didn't do very well, but nonetheless, I landed a couple of punches. (laughs) Well, beautiful segue because I mentioned Western anatomical thinking a minute ago or a few minutes ago. And I, I practice ancient Chinese martial arts. That's one of my things I do. And, my you teacher, are the Renaissance man. <laughs> I just From enjoy, now on, at least when I say I'm the Renaissance man, I'm just going to say I'm Wiley McGraw. I just enjoy these things because <laughs> what they do is they they keep they they keep me optimal in my life. They put me in the place of presence every single day. And you brought up a really good point, and I want everyone that's listening to hear this: is you saw the distinction between the two versions of yourself in that combative experience. You were very stuck in your head, and you were trying to generate some form of success. Okay, that's what most people do, especially in America. It's force, 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 our reactions to something that's challenging. We push back on it. And in martial arts, the philosophy is, especially in the type of martial arts, and I'll use this term kung fu, okay, but I go beyond just what we understand of kung fu, is allow the attack attack to happen and the right response will present itself. But that's very hard for people. They don't allow things to come to them and let their body and their, their minds and their energy and their emotions all simultaneously integrated, provide the power in the response. So with you as a boxer, you were in your head because you were thinking about what everybody else was thinking about your, your success or lack thereof. You were considering like how you look to them. You don't want to lose. You were so caught up in the, the idea of the fundamental structures and steps of how to succeed in that ring you disconnected from the rest of who you were and your power that you're, you're capable of. And when you let go, you step into that more interconnected version of yourself. Despite losing the round, it doesn't matter if you lost the fight. You realized where your power was derived from. You saw that when I got out of my head and got into my body and I utilized my head properly with my feeling intuition, I was able to land some punches. I was able to perform better. I was able to succeed in, in a little bit of a different way. Even though you lost the overall fight, that's still success in that shift. And that's what I keep talking about is we are so caught up in our heads and trying to figure things out and trying to know how and try to focus so that no wonder we are full of a culture of burnout because people are so disconnected from the rest of themselves. They're not in a state of presence. They're constantly worried about what's next. What's going to happen? What do I need to do? How do I need to do it? And then you don't realize that you're so much more than just that. And back to your last point to end this is meditation has everything to do with what brings you to the present moment and keeps you in that present moment. It doesn't mean close your eyes, you know, and try to slow your mind down. It means you can do dishes and be meditative. You can box and be meditative. Practice Kung Fu and be meditative. You can do whatever it is that brings you to that present moment. That will allow more, I would say, solutions to present themselves when you can step into that world. Yeah, that's a great point. Alan Watts has a really fantastic piece on that, that meditation isn't laying in bed with your eyes closed thinking about nothing. Right. You can be driving your car, and as long as you're singularly focused on whatever it is, you sort of drop into that space of just, you don't, almost like you're driving a car, and then 30 minutes later, you wake up and like, Jesus, I just drove 30 minutes without even knowing where I am. Sure, but you were still present to everything going on in traffic, so that's the beautiful thing, yeah. You've never been meditative when you've driven. You're doing a million things at once, so I'm just, I'm just, you know, putting it out there. I would like, before Lisa answers her, asks her next question, because I see her humming, sorry, Lisa. Yeah. I did. I would like to clarify, I did not lose that fight. I found my interconnected okay. version of my powerful self because this guy was really large, considerably sure. larger than me. So sure. I just ran around the ring like a scaredy cat till he got tired. <laughs> and then I came in for a hit kill. As okay. soon as I saw him, he couldn't breathe anymore. Then that's strategy. when I attacked. Nice strategy. I get it. It was a great strategy. <laughs> so in retrospect, you just validated how I fought. So well, you in last point, Lisa, let's just jump into you. But last point, Devo, is yes, you, you, we're able to come up with that strategy because you got out of your head. That's right. The solution presented itself without you having to think about it. That, there's so much more to us. Let it go and watch how the solutions present themselves. Be with yourself and you'll see the answers will, will be provided to you. Mm, I, like that. Um, I like that. We need to 
I'm, I'm going to enjoy listening to this over again after. Um, and I don't have a lot of Sporty Spice uh, stories and anecdotes that I can really share with you guys, so it's kind of tough to measure up here. I do like how you said, though, um, going back a little bit to, you know, it's almost like being in church um, when you're with a coach or any of these other programs. There's a lot of rah-rah, and you feel the spirit, and you're lifted, and then you walk out the doors, and you're bang on the ground right. again, you know, same, same where you started. Right. And, um, you know, I, I understand the different experiences that you have, um, and that you can place in your life. And I've, I've skydived before, but I've Good. been strapped onto a random stranger yeah. where I'm like, I'm piggybacking the ride with him. And it is, it's, it's all those emotions and it's the excitement, it's the elation and it's the awe and all of those things packed in. But then you hit the ground and this cool guy walks off and you're, you're shaking and trembling and you're enjoying <laughs> it. But like, how do you, how do you surrender yourself to those experiences to have them without having to strap yourself onto another person all the time and, and find, as you said, like the truth that transforms you, how do you surrender yourself to, to finding those, those things that ignite you and push you forward and help you to walk through the fear? Because I know in my life, it's only when I've been in a place where I've been uncomfortable or fearful mm -hmm. or, um, anxious or, or whatever that you push yourself in that adrenaline that feeds you and takes you to the next level. Right. So how do you surrender? That's a very hard, uh, concept for most people. Uh, the idea of surrender is ingrained that it means quit. Uh, and I remember, you know, being a, a combat, uh, soldier is, you know, in the military, there is, there are times to quote surrender. Uh, you need to pull back doesn't mean you're quitting or giving up. It just means you need to regroup and re-approach re the target differently. Maybe something showed up that you were least expecting during that situation. So for human beings, it's you have to have a willingness to want to. You have to understand that surrender does not mean you're giving in. does not mean you're giving up. It does not even mean you're conforming or agreeing with what's showing up. But you're giving yourself that space to discover or uncover more of your own intuitive thoughts, more of your own power, more of the potential that's residing within you, answers to your problems or whatever's showing up for you. You've got to be willing to put yourself in positions that make you feel that way so that you can expose what's actually holding you back, what's in there that might need to be erupted. And that, that's something that happens with me is eruption. So we get it out of you and then we can resolve it instead of you just carrying it around within you. And it festers. And it sits in there and it attracts into your life what is in total opposition to what you want. So skydiving is a variable of unknowns. However, you go through training. Because I was a skydiver with 600 jumps. You go through training. You, you learn how to utilize your gear properly. And then when you get your own gear, you trust in your gear. You trust in your skill sets. You trust in your training that you've done day in and day out or week in and week in out. And then when you go jump, all you do is realize that I want to be in that environment because that's where I feel the most free. It's where I feel excited about life. It's where I get to let go and not think so much and just be with my friends and fly through the sky. And when you get to the ground, you land, you go, I want to do that again. You just jump because you want to, to do it. You want to know what you're capable of in those environments. And not many people do want to do that. And that's okay too. But our personal development space has been, I would say, called, it's gone rogue. Marketing has now utilizing terms like transformation and high performance leadership, et cetera. And they're bastardized terms to enroll people into their programs. They are banking their efforts on the idea that people are going to want more and more. And when you see someone who's created a program that is you know, supporting millions of people, you're disconnecting from that more intimate dynamic between you and that coach or that consultant or that strategist. And what ends up happening is you create limitation. You give people some stuff, but there's so many different aspects of what they need that's missing in there. And that's why you need a one-on-one -on -one outside force that says, come here, hold you in it so you can stay present, rattles all that stuff out of you and pushes you even to your limits and beyond. But until you have the idea that surrendering to something you say you want means you're going to let go and allow yourself to be more vulnerable, you're always going to just be just right in the edge of your comfort zone. You're going to feel like you're uncomfortable, but you're controlling it. Mm, I love the accountability that you put into it. Yes. You, I, um, I'm, I'm actually, what, one of the things you said a few minutes ago reminded me of, and I forget the name of the author, Sun Tzu, Art of War. Yes. And there's a quote in there where he says, meet your, in no, no, fight your enemy where they are not, 
And that sort of sounded like some of the stuff that you're saying, because if you're fighting your enemy where they are, you're really focusing on an end prize, an end game. Fighting the enemy where they are not has so many different layers of meaning for me. It sure. means you're sort of dealing with your own intrinsic enemies. You might be dealing with all the collateral of different parts of war, but more right. a, a metaphor for the different yes. elements of within yourself. Do you agree with that statement? I do. And I'm glad you brought that book up. I just bought it recently and I'm going to crack it open next week. So I, 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 it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to delving into it because I, I stand by those philosophies and there are so many different layers of understanding and meaning to them. But that one specific quote, fight your en enemy where they are not, is, is akin to you can be unaware of the enemies that are residing within you. Mm. The, the, and I'm writing this, my memoir called War Was My Vacation. And it's understanding where the real battlefield lies, who the real enemy is, and what it actually takes to be a warrior for your life and business. And I want to share these very intimate stories of these very intense scenarios so that people can start to understand that for me, when I went to war, I felt calm. I felt uh, like I was on a vacation because the war that I experienced back home was more detrimental to who I was. And I wanted to understand those stresses, as I call them, because traumas, life encounters, whatever we label them, they're all stresses. And what I've discovered is that we have these two types of stresses that we live with. One's chronic stress, the other's acute stress. Those chronic stresses are those life experiences, those enemies, if you will, that they create these undetectable patterns of doubt, fear, and cautiousness. They literally plague you. They occupy space with you unconsciously. And you might think that you've got things figured out, but until you really face those enemies where they're, like you said, where they're not and battle them in the right way, they're always going to sit there and just kind of fester and they're going to create those live wires that kind of dis, you know, disconnect you from things that you really want. You're going to feel like you're getting somewhere, but not really ultimately where you want to go. And those acute stresses are those life experiences that keep happening to you despite how much you do have things under control or figured out. They are tied into those chronic stresses. So until you rip that root of that weed out, you're always going to experience those acute stresses. Losing money in a business deal, having relationship issues, technical issues at work. You might not understand why you keep hiring the wrong person for a certain job. All of those aspects go back to that enemy that you have not actually battled in the right way. And when you think you're battling an enemy, like you said, head on, you, you're only getting part of it. There's somebody over here who's flanking you and you need to go after that. You need to go where you least expect it, which is the nature of my work is I go to the places you least expect that I'm going to go because I'm telling you the dynamics around you are in fact the reason why you're failing over here. Mm -hmm. You might think I need more strategy to close this business deal, but I'm going to tell you why that strategy is going to fail you as well is because you have not addressed this thing over here that's causing you to bleed money in the first place. Mm -hmm. We have to look why you keep having this cycle. And I had a public figure that was a guy I worked with in personal development who had that problem for 30 years. He would make millions of dollars and bleed it. He never understood why this cycle never stopped. And he was always just stressed out and burned out and finally at his wit's end. And we discovered through the work we did together was the terror he had around money from his childhood of being poor. He never worked through the fear and the abuse and the pain that he endured being poor simultaneously. That enemy, chronic stress, occupied space his entire career despite how much money he made, how much notoriety he had, and finally got to the place after 30 years where he's like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Mm -hmm. And finally, when we faced that terror head on and we eradicated that terror, but through a specific personal challenge I put him through so he can see it and feel it rattle from within him, he went back and actually started making millions of more dollars that he started to keep. People wanted to be near him. His, his circle of influence or friends were excited about his change. They were noticing the difference. And that was just one thing that we went after. That's the enemy we faced. War was your vacation sounds, if, if you don't have this conversation with you, it could come across like you're just a maniacal sadomasochist. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that you really, <laughs> I'm glad that you set that, set that free for us. Sure, of course. But it's a good title to, for people to grasp and go, wait a minute, snap you out of it. War was my, who goes to vacation or war as a vacation? Nobody does. It doesn't mean I enjoyed every moment of it. But what I discovered in the midst of, of combat was my ability to stay eerily calm. And most people in the military have the ability to stay calm because of our training. But there was a part of me that was like, there's so, I like the bull riding. I discovered even more of myself there in a firefight, in leading mm -hmm. a certain mission and doing certain things. Uh, you know, RPGs being shot at our helicopters, et cetera. It's like you start to just become more aware of yourself, your mortality, your life. And that's where you can start to ignite more of your, your potential. Go ahead, Lee. No, no, I'm just saying because I, I just did that event with Robert O'Neill and the stories he, he was telling. Like, it's just 
such a different type of life and you don't understand how they can be common that I really, I really like how you don't put anyone in the same bucket that every situation, every client, every relationship is a different relationship and that you've blended it with not just in the work at workplace, but balancing it out through your life, which is right. really, really hard, really hard to do. And I like that you take on all aspects of that. Um, I love as well. And I've, I've written this down. You want people to live in their purest place of power. So what is that? Hmm. Let me just touch what you just said about uh, the balance is very hard. It is. It, it, it's hard because we don't have enough leadership educating, inspiring people to value those things. We watch people at the top sacrificing for the sake of success. There's a difference between necessary sacrificing and unnecessary sacrificing. You might need to sacrifice going to uh, that event this weekend because you want to make sure that the things you're creating right now actually get to where they're going. So you have, and then you later go to another party, but sacrificing your health to do that very project is it, that's the unacceptable part. If you're willing to override your health, if you're willing to sacrifice relationships with those close to you, if you're willing to uh, compromise your integrity because you're so hell-bent on making some money right now, you're so hell-bent on getting people to know who you are, you're out of balance and you're only going to take people so far you're creating limitation in the world. And our leaders are doing that. Our politicians are doing that. Our billionaires are doing that. We are watching people fight each other in public. And they're, what they're doing is they're teaching everyone else that this is what it takes to be successful. Emulate these people and you will be just like them. And we have a uh, unfortunate non-progressive aspect of the learning copy that we were as children. You know, zero to six, you're learning and copying your environment to grow. But eventually you need to get out of that and you develop your own personality and who you are. But we get lost along the way. We get caught up in that lack of evolution. So we want to emulate and copy these people we think are successful and we don't know who we are with our own power. So with that, you said is purest place of power is truly understanding who you are without those stresses, without the sacrifice or the suffering, knowing where your power is derived from, what your, your potential is actually fully capable. Maybe you're not supposed to be a multimillionaire running this huge company, but we've got people striving and grinding to figure that out and do it because it sounds cool. It looks cool. Look what these people are doing. Some people need to be in the positions they are, but they're not willing to face that. So they're trying hard to go outside of themselves to do it instead of knowing who they are. And that's why you disconnect and you don't know what peace is with your success. That's the problem. So purest place of power means knowing what you're capable of, knowing where your power is derived from and how it affects those around you and the efforts that you put out. Mm -hmm. You talked just a second ago about the the current situation, the the environment we live in with politicians and influencers, and right. we're, we're literally it, we talk about this frequently. Lisa and I, we we live the pandemic that's going on right now is a pandemic of fear, and it's it's crazy. So that you talked early on in the space around fear, and I'm just I was just wondering what your take on this because let me rephrase. How would you rephrase this? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, leads to suffering. And we all know who said that. Fear in of itself, what I heard you say earlier, isn't necessarily the enemy. It's how we address fear. Right. Yielding to fear is a big piece. Uh, I did a little co-author project with someone and I wrote a chapter in this book that's coming out in February about peak performance. And my chapter is all about yielding to the fear of the unknown, understanding what that looks like. You're right. The, the climate we have, there's so much fear. But this is the thing. Fear has been ingrained in our culture for a very long time. It's what drives people to do things, to not do things. Mm -hmm. um, but if you look at the res end results of actions that are taking place in our culture, there's a lot of, there's much more destructive, um, I would say, there's more destruction left in the wake than there is actual innovation and, and, and more growth for us as a, a collective whole. We're, we're having the same conversations year in and year out, decade in, decade out. Yes, we've got some progress. Yes, we've transformed some laws. We've done some, some good things in the world of innovation, but we're still grinding on this same conversation. Everybody's battling each other. Everybody's stressed out. We're not really just getting down the road as far as we potentially could be going. And that's because our leadership, it's broken and everybody has been programmed to be in fear. And again, the pandemic, yeah, I don't want to get sick. Who wants to get sick? But when you have an imbalance with leadership and there's not enough, I would say, proper communication, 
understanding we're all different. We're all going to have different reactions to certain things. We're all going to have different responses to viruses and stress, et cetera. We, we have this blanket idea that we're all in the same thing. We all have our one reality and that anybody that disagrees with it is wrong or bad. And then we have battles in the wrong way. Nobody's facing the right enemy. We're all facing the wrong enemies. We're all battling each other thinking this is how we grow together. And that's the incessant problem that I've constantly noticed in our, our culture is fear is being bred into us because people don't want to know the unknown. They're not willing to step into it. And we're, we're told, well, the unknown is full of variables that are dangerous. So trust us and listen to us. And then people disconnect from their ability to be subjective in their own world and then be objective in the right times. Hmm. I don't disagree with any of that. So how would you? That's a whole other podcast right there. (laughs) (laughs) You've dropped so many things that we could talk about for hours. Yeah, we're running out of time, aren't we, Lisa? Yeah. Yeah. So how would you rephrase that? If you had to rephrase that quote, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. How would Mm -hmm. you reframe that? A Star Wars fan too. Um, Lisa, you know who that is? (laughs) <laughs> Listen, you nerds. <laughs> That's okay. Um, we're dropping sports soliloquy, Jedi Knights over here on this podcast. Uh, yeah, Yoda, with little figurines, the little figurines yeah. still in the boxes that you're not that... opening. <laughs> Man, you, you have my those... corner over here. <laughs> yeah, Living in your mom's basement, are you? <laughs> right. So, has anybody ever told you you look like Hugo Weaving, Mr. All Smith the time. In the Matrix? Okay, All the cool. time. All right. Especially when I didn't oh. have a beard. Yeah, and I wore yeah. suits. You know, it's a. Uh, uh, I think one one Halloween I went I put an earpiece on and went went to my friend's house with a suit on. It was just easy an easy costume. But um, he's your doppelganger. That's <laughs> good. I appreciate that. That's a that's a good compliment. Now go to that quote though, um, Devo Lisa. It's ooh, it, if we approach it from a very hyper focused one sided thought, yes, specific type of fear can lead to the specific types of anger and then hate and so forth. There's nothing wrong with learning how to tap into the the dark side, if you will, when you're willing to understand what kind of information or what kind of value does my darkness provide me? It's same thing with emotions. We get caught up in labeling emotions that feel good as the good ones, the good emotions or positive uh, emotions. And we label the ones that don't feel good as negative. We create two sides to everything. And this, see, this is our world, two sides. We got the left and the right, the blue and the red. We got the negative emotions, positive emotions. And we've lost an ability to be flexible on the spectrum of life, the holistic nature of who we are as human beings. Because emotions, we have them for a reason. We have the entire range from happiness and joy all the way down to to depression. And I will say that. I know people are going to think it's controversial, and I'm glad because depression is actually an emotion. But it becomes a disease when we don't understand it and why it's showing up and know how to get ourselves out of it. We don't take the time when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're irritated to sit there and tactically identify what that emotion is, why it's being presented to us in this moment, what's going on in us and around us, and what information does it have to provide us. So we end up doing this is this linear approach where we, we get caught up in fear and fear then just leads into those those hateful things that leads into that destruction and leads into that ultimate, like uh, I would say, de-evolution of humanity. But fear has its place. We're never getting rid of it. Don't stop trying to get rid of fear. Stop trying to overcome fear. Fear is always going to be there. You have to learn to manage it, yield to it, ride it like, like a bull. You have to learn how to utilize it properly for a fuel source so that you can actually create more in your life. The feelings of hate or uh, rage or anger all have their place too. Just learn how to identify them and then do something about it with that information to move out of that emotion. Because hate is on the spectrum of love. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. When you become indifferent to something, you completely disconnect from it. You don't see it, you look right through it. Hate still means you're trying to figure something out and trying to connect to it, but you don't understand it. So you, ah, I don't know what to do with this. And this is the problem with human beings, especially those at the top, especially those that create and lead others and influence others, they are also themselves black and white. And they think that they can circumvent, bypass, or hack their way to ultimate levels of success. And then they tell people, emulate what I've got. And then we never actually see humanity growing the way it should. I I really appreciate that last sentiment because anger, if you channel it properly, can really be a powerful force if if you use it in a context of, of 
don't know what the right word is, but channeling it so that it can be sure. used to motivate you and inspire sure. you as long as it's not absolutely malice, right? Well, think about it. If you're angry, why am I angry right now? What is showing up? What is happening here? Let me feel this energy. Let me be inside. Because that's what emotion is, energy in motion. See, we, again, we're so stuck in our heads that we think everything that isn't physical and, and proven by science is just BS. And that's not mm -hmm. true at all whatsoever. That's Our emotions have energy to them. And when we can sit with them and go, wait a minute, I'm angry right now. What do I need to use this anger for? Oh, here's why. This dynamic is stuck and I need to utilize it to move through this dynamic or the situation so that you can get from anger to maybe a little frustration because frustration yeah. has less power behind than anger does. And then frustration can lead to things like irritation and then irritation can lead to contentment. And then when you get that. to contentment, you can go from contentment going, I'm content here. Now let me see where, how I want to get myself into a place of um, maybe excitement and then eventually lead myself to join happiness. But everybody's trying to jump from here to here. I want the quick fix to make a million bucks. Well, you have not done anything over here to sit here and understand who you are first so that the byproduct is the million bucks. Well, yeah, I think that'd be a good conversation. Lisa and I were talking about this as a podcast that we should, if you'd be open to it, come back on. Remember, Lisa, we were talking about how everybody always thinks everybody always have to be happy and blissful and everything's just harmonious. Right. But it's not. Like, that's not how life works. I understand being happy and, and blissful and harmonious is more is more succinct with living a better life, if you will. But it, you don't have you do have days of misfits you do have days of frustrations you do have days sure. of anger and being able to properly work through those elements can get us to the other side of that harmonious life right so I, I, that's a conversation we should let's, probably let's do it into. tactically identify your emotions and there's so much value in them people are so uncomfortable with devo if you're angry at me i'm gonna i'm gonna sit with you in that I'm going, to I'm going to understand where the anger is coming from because it might not even be at me. I might be stimulating something inside you that you've been carrying around that needs to come out. But we don't give value to that type of experience. We reject those types of experience and point our fingers at it and go, oh, I don't trust that. I don't know about that. And we think it's always external. There's so much more to our internal world that's dictating our external world than we give credit to. Mm -hmm. And that's why in my work as an eruptor, when I come to the presence of somebody, they're going to start feeling their stresses they have not eradicated or faced head on, those enemies. And when I tell them, this is just your stuff coming up, sit with me in it. I'm telling you, I'm stimulating it. Let's go through it together and you'll see how that will go away. And then the right solutions will pre present itself and your performance will accelerate. Your results will be exponential. Same thing. Man, there's a lot of good talking points we've touched on today. I really appreciate this conversation. We've talked Likewise. about Yeah. <laughs> Lee, did you have any closing thoughts before we drop? Um, I, I just like the opportunity that you make available to people to not endure to the end with their life, not to be indifferent and give them the opportunity to not have a bucket full of regrets of opportunities that they've missed out on. Right. I mean, if you want, if you care about being quote high performance in your life, you know, the landscape of being a high performer, not just an achiever, not just getting things done. Performance is a holistic, has everything to do with you in relationship to yourself and how you show up in the work you do. If you want that, you cannot endure things. You have to stop enduring things. You have to stop compensating. That's a big word I like to use with a lot of the leaders I work with is they've created on the back of compensation. You have to get to a place of resolution and really know who you are without those stresses. It doesn't mean you're not going to have regular, normal life stresses, as Devo said, but the unresolved things that are still there need to be addressed. Stop enduring and stop sacrificing because that is what's holding you back, not adding more programs or more processes and more strategies and more tips. You're just going to keep compounding on top of all the stuff that needs to be removed. And until you remove that, you're never going to be fully free of the stress that's holding you back. I think we've been... Uh, become addicted to some of those programs. Absolutely. You know what? It's, I can just do this and then in yeah. two hours a week, I'm making millions of dollars. I just need sure. to buy this and then sure. on to the next, on to the next. It's the ca it's the verbal caffeine and sugar high. That's the per mm -hmm. people are sold hype. I, in, no hype, no BS, none of that stuff. You want truth? I'm going to put you through truth. I'm going to get you to the top of your game right now, not later, not two years from now. We're going to do it now. But you've got to be willing to, to embrace that and step into that time. And not everybody wants to, and that's okay. The, they can go off into other programs and do what, what makes them feel good. But for people like you and other people that want to be at the top and live sustainably that way, there is a resource. There are resources out there that can get you there. That's why there's a difference between the helping industry and the, and the world of optimization. Completely different. 
Lee, I love what you just said about that, that and, <clears throat> and Wiley, you as well, that sort of metaphorical high you get from enrolling in these programs and, you know, you not to not to I'm not shaming, but, you know, sort of that, sure. that Tony Robbins rah rah when you're at the convention and dudes are like fight clubbing it out in the middle of the auditorium and then they go yep. home and they're like a week later they're you know back to sobbing and whining and doing all the <laughs> shit that got them there in the first place so right. I, I like that piece it's a really that's and i call that transference mm-hmm. see they sell it as transformation and people believe it again it gets very cultish if you will where everybody loves each other and goes to these events it's transference they are transferring their motivational spirit into you you get excited about what's possible. It doesn't mean you don't have ideas that could be potentially something for you. But a small percentage of people who go to, let's say, a Tony Robbins event know how to apply that into their life to create more momentum. But at the actuality of it is not real. Tr- real transformation, real transformation, folks, happens in the dark corners. It's ugly. It's uncomfortable. It's not what you expect. It doesn't look the way you want it to look. It is, it is said in ways that you don't want to hear it to be said. But it's people that want that are going to get to where they want to go faster. It's the ones that want to control how they feel and what comes at them. They're the ones that stay stuck and always on the, the chase, if you will. So in I one- love that. I love that. Riley. Being in a cult didn't work for me. All my, all my growth came after the cult. Exactly. <laughs> I love and there's that. nothing wrong. Hey, look, it, it has its place. I want, like you said, and there's no shame. It has its place. It does create momentum in some results. But when you're trying to solve problems in your life and your business without addressing you, you're only going to create misguided or limited results. You're not going to get an ultimate optimized state of being and performance. So in one word, if someone were to go through a Hugo Weaving, a.k.a. Wiley McGraw class, (laughs) what's the difference between the results you would get from a cult-like Tony Robbins program versus a Wiley McGraw program in one word. One word. That's yeah, interesting. Man. What a <laughs> And you've used a lot of really good juicy sense enhancers. Yeah, so choose uh, wisely. One word, choose wisely. One word. Oh my gosh, that's you know, you're trying to truncate me down into one. Well, I mean, optimized. That well word said. encompasses it all. Optimized. Well said. This has been a really fun podcast, and I, ha- I would be remiss if I didn't throw in our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Sprout Connectors. They brand imagination and storytelling experts who help small business and entrepreneurs develop their brand message with compelling and strategic content to optimize their brand. Like that, how I did that for you right there? Optimize. <laughs> Wiley, for real, it's been a great conversation. There are so many different things that we touched on. I, I'd, I'd like to have a follow-up with you on a couple of different areas. I think Perfect. Some brilliant stuff that we talked. Lisa, any closing thoughts? No, I think you've given us so much to think about. And I think anyone listening as well is going to feel like ignited and uh, going to be doing some thinking about their potential growth with you. Great. I, you know, I appreciate you both having me on. It's been a, it's been a pleasure having this conversation. Optimized and ignited. That's right. That's right. Listen to it. If, if, if it inspires you, if it turns you on, if it scares you, if it shakes you up, it'll change you. Thanks, Wally. It's been a great call. You're Thank welcome. You. Lee, Thank you. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank